Well, good morning, and welcome to Bankery Christian Fellowship Church. Uh, we're delighted that you've chosen to join us today. Welcome to everyone who's here with me in the building, and uh, I am especially glad to see everyone who's under the age of 12 here today. Uh, no junior church today. We all come together on the first Sunday of the month, so especially warm welcome to you, and a quick welcome to all of you watching our live stream on the YouTube channel. We are just as pleased that you've joined us today and pray that you'd be blessed. Now, this is the week when some of us have gone back, gone back to the shops, back to the cafes, back to the winter coat and gloves. And in a sense, what we do when we come here on a Sunday is we come back. But um, you know what? The shops and the cafes and whatever else has opened this week, none of it is, is as exciting as coming back here to church on a Sunday. Now, I know you don't always feel like that. You can be honest. But it's true. It's true. Because what happens here on a Sunday and what happens in church on a Sunday happens nowhere else. Not in a shop. Not in a cafe. It's here where the church comes together and God promises to speak. Now, that's amazing. You read through your Bible, when God speaks, people are amazed, and we should be amazed. We come together like this, and God promises to speak, to tell us about who He is, and to tell us about what it means to follow Him. So let me, He does that, He does that as we read the Bible. So let me read some verses from the Bible to help us this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The words that God has given us, these verses tell us we should cherish them, we should treasure them, and we should always have them to hand and always be reminded of them because they tell us about the Lord our God who is one. Mark, you're going to do our Bible reading for us now. Sure. Thanks a lot. So the Bible reading this morning is from Mark's Gospel in chapter 1, and I'm reading from verses 16 to 20, reading from the NIV. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Amen. Thank you. Well, in our, in our family services, uh, we've been looking at encounters that people had with Jesus, or maybe 
the other way around, encounters that Jesus had with people. Jesus met lots of people. Um, some people think if you count it up, there's something like a, a 153 or somewhere like that. Uh, and they respond to him in different ways. And in the verses that Mark read for us, four people have an encounter with Jesus. And these verses really, they help us understand the most basic question of all, what is a Christian? Well, the first thing I want to do is I want to show you some things that people think make them a Christian. So, I'll give you the clue and you see if you can tell me what it is. Got a few things hidden in here. Let's start with uh, this one. Does anyone know what this is? Hello. Yes, it's, uh, it's actually a replica passport. I don't have a passport. Um, but not closed-minded. Um, a passport. So what, what, could, what would a passport, what, what sort of things could someone think makes them a Christian that a passport would represent? Okay, boisterous lot. Some people think they're a Christian based on where they're born. Some people think they're born in a Christian country, and that that's what makes them a Christian. But the answer is, nope, that's not what makes you a Christian. Here's the next one. What will we go with? Uh, let's go with this one. This one's quite easy. Now, you should all recognize this by now. This says Eventbrite, and it confirms that I have reserved a place at this morning service. Some people think going to church makes them a Christian, but we're going to find that that's not the case. It's not going to church that makes you a Christian. Next. All right, this one. This may be a little controversial. Apologies. What is this? Water gun. Um, what, 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 could, what could this be? Water pistol, that is right. Some people think that because they've had a brush with water that that makes them a Christian. Some using small amounts like this. Some doing it uh, <clears throat> the other way with big amounts that we would put in this tank down here. Some people think being baptized makes you a Christian. It doesn't. It doesn't. Right, one more thing. Ooh. <clears throat> well, these aren't Bibles, but these are theology books. These are the heaviest, well, almost the heaviest ones I could find. Uh, systematic theology, a dictionary of the Pentateuch. What do you think, Callum? They do. They do. If they aren't, they aren't. Good man. Good man. Some people think that if you knew everything that was in these books, that would make you a Christian. It's about how much you know. The truth is that's not the case. And uh, 
Yeah, these have other uses, of course, especially for someone of my stature. It's not that that makes you a Christian. So that's why this, these verses that we've read are so important. Um, I want to read what Jesus says immediately before he meets these four fishermen. He says, we're told that he, he went through Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. God's kingdom is where God rules. And here Jesus says, that this kingdom has come into the world. But how? Through Jesus. Jesus is the true king who will rule over God's kingdom. And so all of those stories in the Old Testament, and if you're part of our junior church, you've been reading things like King Saul and what happened to him. All of those stories in the Old Testament, they, they, they're pointing forward to the true king who was coming. And God's people were looking forward to this because this is how God had promised to bring them freedom. Freedom as a nation, freedom from sin. And so what does Jesus say everyone must do to receive this kingdom? He says, repent and believe. Now, repent isn't a word that we use very much outside of church, but it's not a complicated word really. It just means turn around. It just means turn around. Stop heading in the wrong direction. Turn around and go the right way. And Jesus has to say this because we're all going in the wrong direction. Every one of us. We all want to head away from God. We do things that are bad. We do things that hurt other people. We do things that hurt ourselves. But worst of all, we do the things that take us further and further away from God. God made us. He made us to love Him, made us to trust Him. And yet we keep on doing the things that we want to do instead of the things that He tells us to do. And this is what the Bible calls sin. And when we sin, we are, every time we sin, we are moving away from God and that's why Jesus says, repent, turn around, go the other way, back to God. The other word Jesus uses is believe. Believe the good news. The good news is all about Jesus. Even though the world is a sinful place, God has always had a plan to fix it. If all that we were told to do was to repent, to turn around and go back to God, then we would never make it. Our hearts, our hearts are drawn towards sin. And so we can't make it back to God. We need someone to take us there. And that someone is Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus is the only human who never had to repent. Imagine that, never had to repent, never had to turn around from doing something bad to go back to God. He was perfect. He always trusted and obeyed God in everything. 
And he did that in our place. And Jesus, being obedient to God, led him all the way to the cross where he died to take away our sins. So when he says to believe, it's to believe that Jesus is God's king who has done all of that and done it for me. Now we could ask, how do I do that? What will it mean to believe in Jesus? What does it mean to be a Christian? And this is what's explained to us when Jesus meets these four fishermen. First of all, it's Simon and Andrew. They are throwing out their nets into the sea. That was their job. They were fishermen. And this wasn't the first time Jesus spoke to these guys, but this is where everything changed for them. These were young men who had been trained since they were boys to catch fish. This is how they would provide for themselves. This is how they provided for their families. But Jesus comes and he changes their direction. He says, come, follow me. He makes the same call to James and John. They are in the boat mending their nets. I don't know if you've ever watched fishermen mending their nets. It's quite a skill. These guys knew what they were doing. And Jesus calls them. And Simon and Andrew and James and John, they respond to Jesus in the same way. What do they do? Simon and Andrew, at once, they left their nets and they followed him. They left their nets. They left their way of life. They left one of their, their, the things that, that was most valuable to them. When you come to James and John, what did they do? They left their dad. Now, I've never met a man called Zebedee before, but they left him behind. And you know what? Their fishing business must have been pretty big because Mark, who writes this gospel, tells us they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They had, they had employees. They had workers. And they left it all behind. This is what it means to be a Christian. Not that you'll have to leave your family or your school or your work, but that Jesus is now the most important person in your world, and you want to go wherever he leads you. And sometimes that does take people out of their work. They get a new job. Sometimes they work for a church. It means that what Jesus thinks of us is more important to me than what others think of us. And that can be hard sometimes. When friends want us to do things that would be bad for us, or to do something that we know God has said we shouldn't do, then to be a Christian is to choose to follow Jesus rather than follow anything else. When we're asked to tell a lie at work, then we choose instead to follow Jesus and to be honest. To be a Christian is to believe in Jesus. It is to turn away from selfishness and sin and to follow him. And it doesn't matter whether you're here today and you're five or you're 95, that's what it means to be a Christian. To believe Jesus lived and died for you, to turn from sin and to follow him wherever he leads you. Now, I've got one more thing I want to say 
particularly to those who are over 12. If you're under 12, I still want you to listen. Here's your challenge this month. How many different animals do I mention in the next six minutes? I'll give you a clue. It's going to be less than 10, so you can use your fingers, unless, of course, I start to rabbit on. (laughs) That one doesn't count. Starting now. When Jesus calls Simon and Andrew, he tells them exactly what he's calling them to. He's calling them to a change in purpose. So up till now, these guys have lived off the fruit of the sea. But Jesus says, follow me, and I'll send you out to fish for people. Now, I must be honest, the NIV doesn't translate that well. I'll send you out to fish for people. Here's what Jesus says, more literally. He says, I will make you become fishers of men. I will make you become fishers of men. We must never forget that the change that takes place in someone when they become a follower of Jesus is not just on the outside. It's not like uh, the changing skin color of a chameleon. It's the transformation that takes place. Like when 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 a caterpillar metamorphoses into a butterfly. God changes us. He makes us into something that we were not before. And it's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? The writer of this gospel, Mark, has placed this calling of the fishermen right here so that we understand what it means to receive the kingdom of God. It is to respond to Jesus in submissive obedience so that we now have the same life goals as he has. His metaphor to fish for people it is strange. But as you read through the rest of the gospel, it becomes clear. It is to do what Jesus did in his ministry, to reach people, lost people, those who are far from God, and to draw them back, like sheep gone astray, to lead them back to safety. Often in the Bible, the sea is a picture of chaos, a picture of judgment. And so to rescue people from chaos and judgment. What greater life's work could there be? I mean, Jesus was so eager to do that that he went all the way to the cross and died. And when we follow him, then this is what we give ourselves to, sharing the good news about Jesus so that others will respond with repentance and faith. This is what it means to be a Christian. It is to have this new mission. So how does Jesus make his followers to be fishers of people? He does it by transforming their hearts. The Apostle Paul says that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creature. The old has gone, the new has come. That is the new birth. But the way that we grow into what Jesus wants us to be, well, Jesus called these men and he walked with them. For about three years, he lived with them. He taught them. He lived before them. This is how they learned. This is how they matured. And the pattern for Christians is still the same. What do we call these four fishermen? I mean, even if you have your Bible there open, what is the title that the translators have put over this section? Jesus calls the first disciples. We call them disciples. 
And what has Jesus called every Christian to do? To make disciples. And we follow Jesus' pattern. We do that by walking alongside each other, living life with one another. That's to disciple one another. And I want to encourage you, if you're a Christian here today, whatever stage of the Christian life you are at, there are other Christians who need you. Yes, you. And it can be as simple as going for a walk with someone and talking about how God has been speaking to you or how He hasn't been speaking to you. It can be meeting with one or two others just to pray for each other's needs. It can be asking someone what God is doing in their life right now. It is more than asking about the football or the weather, but it is coming alongside someone, often in simple ways, just to help them to follow Jesus better. Who could you do that for this week? Who could you do that for? But this isn't just restricted to helping other Christians. This is about reaching those who need to be rescued. And this falls to every one of us. It is not just for the professional pastors and evangelists. It falls to every follower of Jesus to understand the dedication that Jesus had to this task, to understand the desperate need that people have to be rescued from chaos and judgment, and to understand that it is Jesus who's at work in us to make us His fishers of people by His Spirit so that we do His work, playing our part in His mission. Oh, that I had that perspective more clear in my mind. I would change from my often mouse-like timidity, and it would fuel a dogged determination to reach whoever we can. We must pray, we must live, we must speak, and we must encourage each other if we're going to be Christ's followers here. How many animals? Four, five, is that a one? That's a five. The answer is <clears throat> six. How did you get Rowan? No, that's a disappointment. Six, counting dogged as the sixth. Well, thanks so much for being with us today. We, uh, from time to time, say the words of the grace together, so why don't we take time to do that this morning? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.